Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Before we jump into today's episode, I have to remind you guys about Steadily Insurance. They are the go-to for short-term rental insurance. The moment you decide to enter the short-term rental game, that property is everything to you. And if something happens to it, you are screwed out of your business. You cannot risk that happening. And the reason that I love Steadily is because in addition to just the basic windstorm, hail, lightning, flooding, all of that stuff that you need for the home anyway, they really take it a step further and understand the needs for insurance as a short-term rental host. What happens if one of your guests slips and falls and gets injured on the property? Who's covering those medical bills? If they decide to sue you, who's covering that lawsuit? If they steal something or damage anything from the place? Airbnb is not always going to step in and side with you. Steadily insurance is so good for situations like this. Not just that, but if something goes wrong with the property and you need to schedule some time for repairs, Steadily can even help cover the cost of that time that you're not renting. They can even help protect that lost income that you're not earning when something horrible happens to the property. Please, please, please go check them out. Request a free quote today. I have an affiliate link with them. It's hostwithnatalie.steadilypartner.com. You might be surprised to find it's not as expensive as you think. And when you consider how much protection it gets you, it will be so worth it. I will also link them in the show notes below. So excited to welcome John Hildebrand to the podcast today. He is an expert on how to deal with short-term rental regulations, and I really wanted to connect with him over this topic specifically. He does have a lot more to offer than that, and I'd love to have him on a future episode to talk about his management company and all his hosting tips, but he is the go-to guy on regulation, and we've all seen the trends and how much more regulation is being pushed for hosts, and I wanted to pick his brain on what he does to fight back on it, how he can uh, advise other hosts to fight back, and also if we really should be as scared of regulation as we are or if there's some perks to it and how we can use this whole world to make us better hosts. So thank you so much, John, for being here. Do you want to quickly introduce yourself, give us the spiel on how you became a host and how you got involved on the regulation side? I mean, first of all, wow, that was amazing. Thank you so much for the intro. You're hired. Uh, are you? Can you be my PR Absolutely. agent? I can point? be your hype woman for sure. Yeah. If you guys can't see visually, I'm, I'm, I'm blushing and smiling because that was very, very kind and I do appreciate it. And I'm honored just to be here. I have insane amounts of respect for you and what you're doing and your business and stuff. So well, we have to tell it's people nice to quickly, chat. I'm sorry to cut you off, but we also have to tell people how we connected. Um, John and I are both Airbnb ambassadors and we actually touched base. We both do webinars for Airbnb. Um, we're one of the few 
uh, webinar ambassadors out there and uh, connected over a Zoom call for one of our ambassador huddles. And so I'm so happy to have met him through that and have him here today. Yeah, it's cool. That's a great program. We'll talk about that a different episode mm-hmm. or whatnot. But since I somehow became the go-to policy guy, but just a quick <laughs> intro. Like I said, my name's John Hillebrand. I'm based in Scottsdale. I started my short-term rental business in Malibu in 2016, really. And then when I came to Arizona, I started, you know, like anybody, I just started, I bought a house, I turned it on Airbnb and just kind of did my thing. I never really looked further past that. As I got more and more involved in the community is when I started hearing, you know, noise about regulations and policy and again, I was it was way over way, way, way over my head, but I didn't want to lose my business. So that's kind of how like I started getting involved because I just started listening. And uh to be honest, I got scared. I was like, wow, could they really change the policy? Like, could they really mess up my entire business because of this? Uh and the short answer is yes, they can. So, so I'm curious, <laughs> what was that first regulation that you were seeing that made you nervous and made you want to get involved? Because just quickly, in my area, there's been creeping in of certain regulation for years, but a lot of it just seemed very mild and didn't really affect me. What was kind of the first taste for you that was like, oh, this is serious. I need to get involved. Yeah, and not not to go too far down the rabbit hole of what side of the fence you sit on, right? It's not about that if you're Republican and Democrat or wh- whatever it is. Everybody has their own beliefs and, and systems. So it's, it never really comes to that. But Arizona was very, very, very friendly for short-term rental policy. One of the best in the entire country. Don't they, they have a statewide rule or something that yes. you actually cannot ban STR there? Like HOAs can, but cities or counties cannot. Am I correct in that? No, you are correct. And that's what makes us so different, but that's what also makes it so amazing because it's state it's a statewide policy that protects short-term rentals. So a city can't go rogue and change it and mess things up. And with a lot of hosts like myself and other people, you might have a house in this community, but then you have a house in Flagstaff or in Phoenix. And if the laws and policy were different in every county, it would be impossible. It'd sure. be so complicated. So for me, my first taste into it was it was friendly. It was like one of the best in the country. I'm like, wow, this is cool. Arizona's really supporting tourism. This is amazing. That was a bill that was signed in. And within a year of me getting into it, everything was at risk. Oh like gosh. it literally was that fast. I think the business was growing so fast and the opposing side, meaning like the neighbors that don't like short-term rentals or don't mm-hmm. understand it, started speaking up more and more and more. And it became a nuisance. Like they were calling every the governor and the city council members and the, the cops every 10 minutes. And then they realized, okay, wait a minute. Maybe we do have to make some adjustments because this is getting annoying. We can't keep taking these phone calls over and over and over again. Okay, so so what specifically were the cities and counties proposing? Because wouldn't that be in conflict with that state law? Or were they just trying to push to overturn the state law saying that there can't be regulation? Can you clarify that a little bit? Yeah, so a little bit of both, to be honest. The statewide policy does protect short-term rentals and homeowner rights, right? Yeah. Um, But some of the smaller cities like Sedona or somewhere in Tucson or even Paradise Valley, they want full control of how they operate Mm -hmm. and run their city. But where it protects is they can't, not to go too far down, but because sometimes this is way in over my head, but (laughs) 
the great part about Arizona is Arizona helps all these cities and states with funding from the roads to the street science to the school to the education. So if a city wants to go completely rogue, then they're not getting, they wouldn't get funded from the state. That's a way that protects us. And if, if let's say like Paradise Valley wants full control, well, if they had in their minds full control, they would just ban short-term rentals the very next day, even though they claim they wouldn't, they, they would ban it the, the next day. So it gives us some kind of guardrails and systems in place that that makes it okay for cities to find short-term rentals or give citations or make them get a permit or a license or something like that. And tell me if I'm going too fast. No, no, this is great. And I get again, super passionate. No, I know. And there's just to say too, I know there's a ton of listeners, myself included, who are not Arizona based, but I don't care. Like this is you clearly are an expert on this, and it's whatever you see happening here. These are trends that then other states, other governors are going to pick up. So please, like, do not shy. If it goes too far down a rabbit hole, I will cut it where I need to. But like, <laughs> I love the passion. And I'm actually really glad you brought that up because I say Arizona because that's my backyard. Mm-hmm. But let me be really, really clear. Arizona is kind of one of the states that's the lifeline and uh, and will follow all the other states. So right now we have eyeballs on us from every single state watching us on what we're doing because the statewide policy is really good and it's fair. Like our organization is called Arizona for Responsible Tourism. Okay. We want regulation in place because we want to get rid of the bad actors. Mm-hmm. We want we want people to verify their property. We want neighbors to be able to contact that host and be like, hey, there's a party going on or they parked in my driveway. Okay, cool. Great host. On top of it, let's get that taken care of. Sorry about the confusion. Boom. Yeah, right? Yeah. So we definitely want that policy. There's a lot of states that don't know what to do or they don't have the systems in place. So just because you don't live in Arizona doesn't mean it doesn't affect you. It 100% does because they're watching Arizona so closely. Mm. And what we are doing here and changing will start to affect a lot of the other smaller cities and larger cities, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So this organization, how did you get involved with, I'm sorry, what was it again? Arizona for Responsible Renting? Did I get it right? It's a tongue twister for sure. <laughs> it's Arizona for Responsible Tourism. Arizona for Responsible Tourism. Okay. Yep. If you just Google that or it's called azrtr.org. Okay. It's a little easier. So basically the way the way it started is I started going down the city council. I started seeing that there was issues. There wasn't many hosts that were going down there and speaking up, which was mind blowing. It mm-hmm. was like three of us first, like literally hundreds of people that were trying to shut us down. So I realized that we, we, there was an issue here and I was like, wait a minute, something's not right. Um, so I just started doing my research and reaching out and I was put in contact with our basically like our advisors is called Rent Responsibly. It's a nationwide organization. It's called Rent Responsibly. If you don't know about it, you 100% should get involved. It's probably in your city and state. If not, it will be soon. But they have certain chapters, like Hawaii is under attack big time right now. So Rent Responsibly brings in as much resource as they can, and they help build an organization there, and they oversee it. So in Arizona, for example, they asked me if I wanted to help create this board. And to be totally honest, I was like, 
that is not for me. I'm so scared. Like, <laughs> I, what are you talking about? Well, that's what but happens they, when you're one of three people who show up to a city council <laughs> meeting. You put a spotlight on yourself. That's true. So be careful where you show up. <laughs> but no, I was honored. And, and we, we got a group together. We got somebody in Sedona. We got somebody in Mesa. A couple people in Scottsdale and Phoenix. And basically, rent responsibly, they're the experts when it comes to policy and all the connections in that space. So they helped us build the board, what it takes to do the build a board. And once or twice a month, we get on Zoom calls with our board and rent responsibly. They update us on all the policy nationwide and the policy in Arizona. And they give us guidance. They get, you know, it's mind blowing to even say this out loud, but we're lucky enough to talk to the head of policy for VRBO Expedia Group. And they come in on our Zooms, they educate us on how Arizona is making a difference, what we could do to make a difference. Airbnb, same thing. They, we get to talk to the head of their policy nationwide and really get like a better understanding and the importance. And then from there, we do our own things in Arizona. We, you know, we show up, we write letters, which I can get into a lot more. But brand responsibly, if you're a host in any city, 100% go to the website, check them out join the newsletter. Everything's free. It's all, you know, charity pro bono, whatever you call it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Cause I do know, um, like you touched on Airbnb and Verbo, they have their own group. Like they have their own departments that are very focused on regulation and they will send people. I know, um, we just had a battle. I'm in California and San Diego had a huge struggle with STRs and there was an entire department from Airbnb just focused on pushing back on San Diego regulation. So this is a great way um, if you connect with Rent Responsibly to then get, you know, your city and your chapter in front of their eyeballs because who are you going to call regular Airbnb customer service and say, <laughs> hey, can someone come to my next city council meeting? So, yeah, I think that's great. How does Rent Responsibly work? You just literally go to the website, see where what locations they are. Could you found a chapter in your own area if there's not an organization there yet? How does that work? Yeah, a little bit of all of it. It's it's 100% free. Okay. Um, it's, you know, there's big sponsors that come in and help run the organization because one of the biggest things that I learned, like an Airbnb and a VRBO, they're not the voters in the cities. Yeah. So as much noise and awareness they can make, at the end of the day, the mayor and the city council members and all those, they don't really care because they're not the voters. They're not the people that are going to vote for them and they're not the people that are going to vote in their city. So they can only guide us. It's up to us as hosts to go down there and speak up and say a voice and, and, and you know, make the difference and protect the rights. So rent responsibly is 100% free. You sign up. Arizona was such a big uh, conversation that they knew they had to get resources and help us build out Arizona. They obviously can't do every single state. So they might not have a club or an alliance yet, I should say, mm -hmm. in your city, but they might have enough resources where they're like, hey, um, X, Y, and Z, call this person. They're starting one. We're kind of keeping an eye on them or whatever. Uh, and if if things get under fire, we might be able to, to guide you and help you a little bit more. Okay. That makes okay, sure. So basically just head there if you have any questions about regulation <laughs> and they'll they'll set you up with what you need. Um one thing you touched on is that I want to dive into is you made a really good point that the investors are not voting constituents in these areas. So even if 
the city council sees like we're bringing in money, we're bringing in tourism, we're helping the economy. We don't vote for them at the end of the day. So they're not loyal to outside investors. Have you had any luck motivating like cleaners and handyman and local workforce who supports the short-term rentals to show up to the meetings? And if so, how's that been? What's the strategy been for that? I freaking love that you just asked that question because so many people don't think about that part, about how much impact the short-term rental community brings to that city, right? Mm -hmm. Not just saying the money. I mean, the cleaners alone make a full-time living yeah. off just my listings alone, yeah. right? And yeah. From the cleaners to the landscapers. So yes, 100% update them. Uh, my cleaning crew has been super supportive. One of our, the head of our cleaners is um, very active in our board. She shows up, they show up all the time. That's awesome. Uh, it's amazing. It's totally amazing. And that side of the story doesn't get heard. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, the LLCs, oh, the big corporations are buying houses in short. It's it's not that. It's a, I'm a mom and pop business, basically, you know, um, and I hire local in every community yeah. Always join. So, having those stories, I've witnessed it firsthand where city council member keeps hearing party, 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 or, you know, my neighbor, whatever. And then all of a sudden a cleaner shows up and speaks on how it, it literally changed their entire life and their family. And if it wasn't for short term rentals, and I can see it instantly. They're like, oh, okay, wait a minute. Let's take a step back. We need to hear more of these stories we didn't even know this existed. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know this was the thing. So yeah, it's super important to get other businesses involved. We even get local restaurants. We're like, hey, local restaurants, what would happen if all STRs were, didn't come here anymore? But during the pandemic, if it wasn't for short-term rentals, so many of these restaurants would have gone out of business. Totally, yeah. So yeah, it's really important to get your community involved, not just the investors, the homeowners. Uh, yeah. Have you found any strategies as far as giving your cleaners like talking points or something to show up to these meetings? Uh, cause I've tried <laughs> this strategy and, uh, the only thing is a lot of, um, my cleaners are like very shy and they're, they're like, no, I specifically don't like working with people. This is why I just go clean the house when there's no <laughs> one there. I'm not showing up and speaking. Like how have you kind of equipped people to be more confident and, and engage in this battle? I mean, I, I, I'll be the first minute. I was that guy. I'm still that guy. Going down there is intimidating. I don't know what it is, but you go into this big building. Most of them are all dressed up and you're like, I'm just this average person. <laughs> Do I know what I'm really saying about policy? Yeah, it's intimidating, but the power in numbers is crucial. And if there's one thing I could really, really stress on is just be human and mm-hmm. be extremely kind and positive because most of the time the opposing side is very, very angry and they point fingers and they yell and scream. That doesn't get you anywhere. I've noticed with my cleaners who are super nervous, myself is super nervous. We meet before, let's say the meeting's next week. We actually have one coming up on the 20th, right? And all of us will divide up bulletin points on what to talk about. So it's not the same conversation over and over and over again. Let's say my story is I'm going to talk about um, a small business. My my mom and I are a partner on a house together and it's, the bonding has been amazing and we get to help all these local people. And that's my story. 
that I would say. Yeah. But and then let's say the cleaner. Hey, cleaner, why don't you talk about these three topics? Make it really, really simple. Say, you know, how the cleaning has improved your your lifestyle with the rentals. And then the next person can talk about, hey, if you guys change this policy, then it's going to directly affect my business to operate. I will not be able to to do background checks on yeah. all these people. It's going to cost me too much money. It would put me out of business. So, and then that way you just nail all these really, really important points very quickly and very um, like politely. And then they can, they, they can better understand it and hopefully take notes and, you know, really listen to you that way. That's, I think that's such a good point because even if you're, if someone's listening there and they're like, okay, I'm confident. I know the talking points. I can show up and just read off my note. First of all, you only get like one to three minutes at these meetings, depending on which city council it is. So you cannot cover every point, but you don't have to. If you don't go at it alone and you team up with people, you can break up the points. Each of you can cover something different. I think that's a great way to approach it, like spearhead all the points that need to be covered and you can delegate it out and assign who's going to talk about what. Um, yeah. And on that, you don't have to speak all the time, right? When when I first started doing this, it was, I'm not even joking. There was literally three of us in there in a room full of people that wanted you. to burn, burn <laughs> us at the stake. Yeah. They oh literally God. wanted to burn us at the stake. I was like, wow, this is so intimidating. So even if you just show up and show support and fill the room, fill Clap the room. for your side, so you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, those things make up. such a difference. Yeah. Go up to the person who said something you liked after and just like introduce yourself, shake their hand, give them a totally. thumbs up. Yeah, that stuff goes a long way. Um, but I also and, and reach out. Oh, sorry to cut you off and, re and reach out to our group, Arizona for Responsible Tourism. We're building like good neighbor policy guides right now okay. that we're hoping that will work for every everywhere. You know, you print it out, educate your guests. Mm -hmm. Right. It's super important. And then we have a bunch of draft letters that we're sending to all of our city council members and people that are running. You, you will be able to share all that. You guys can just plug in, you know, the different names and cities and stuff. So definitely reach out to us. We'll be able to help you with that as well. I'm going to interject with a slight personal story. But at the last city council meeting in our area, um, there was a local handyman who spoke up. And, you know, like you said, he just came at it being human. And he was like, I don't know a lot. All right. I didn't even go to college. I just know that I love doing handyman work. I love all my clients. And I'm 90% supported by short-term rentals. If this goes away, I will be out of work. Like, please just think of myself and others in my position before implementing anything. And after that meeting on the Facebook group, some host posted something like, hey, did anyone catch that handyman's contact info? I want to hire him. And I had gone to the Facebook group to post the same thing. So I commented and I was like, if anyone knows, let me know. We ended up hiring him to do some jobs. He's actually our pool guy now. And oh. he told us that after that meeting, he got probably 15 new leads and he is fully booked solid now. So if anyone's listening here and you're not a host <laughs> and you're from the the side that supports hosts and you're the boots on the ground, like look at what just showing some, some love and support to the hosting community can do. He is booked solid now and got so wow. many new gigs just literally by being human and, you know everything you said I got chills I know I know and he's he's honestly one of the best workers we've actually ever had like we could not be more thrilled with him literally found him because uh, he he just stood up at the podium for a few minutes so 
That's amazing. Yeah. Those are the stories. I mean, that's what this community mostly is about. The 1% is just louder. Everybody knows negative yeah. news spreads, clickbait, whatever, right? That's why our narrative and our voice needs to be heard. We need to be at the table. Um, those stories are so crucial to the support. Not only that, the opposing side is there listening. Mm -hmm. And if they hear these stories, they're human, you guys. And a lot of the things they're complaining about is the same things we're complaining about. Mm -hmm. We do not want parties. We do not want nuisance to our neighborhood. So those stories go a long way. Let me just tell you. Like, yeah. I, I hate bad hosts. Like I hate them probably, oh, hate you know, <laughs> I, maybe more than the locals do. Like, cause to me, when I get a message from someone that says, Hey, I uh, wanted your advice. I got a really bad experience from a host and you know, I don't know if I'll stay in an Airbnb again. I hate that. So yeah, we should not be pitted against each other in any way. I think really, you mentioned the 1% is really loud. I think it's a 1% on both sides. There's a 1% yeah. of hosts yeah. that are just horrible and a 1% of locals that just absolutely hate us and don't want to hear the other side and the other 98% of people are like somewhere in the middle just trying to battle it out you know I don't know I really think that this whole thing is driven by extremes so getting in there and being willing to compromise will go such a long way I'm glad I'm glad you said that because it's so true it's I'll tell you a quick story too that's just it's pretty funny so like I was getting hate articles written about me because oh my, my voice was being out there more and I was the person that was like going to city council and, and meeting, right? Yeah. And it was an opposing side. So I'm like, this is ridiculous. This person's never even met me. So I finally was like, I'm going to meet this person. So I reached out multiple times. The person is not a happy camper, let me just tell you. <laughs> and we sat down for coffee and I got yelled at for like an hour straight. I couldn't even say a word. And then once that calmed down and I just listened, I really had to bite my lip and just listen after that, I was like, look, man, first of all, don't write hate speeches on me anymore because it's not right. It's incorrect. And then everything you just said is everything I'm fighting for. We're on the same side. Mm -hmm. We're on the same page. I don't want all these parties. I don't want nuisance. I don't want to have you angry. But they didn't. And the reason I share that story is because I took the time to meet with the opposing side and really tried to listen and try to compromise um, and I don't think they understood that we're, we're basically fighting the same fight. Mm -hmm. Granted, a lot of the opposing side just wants to shut us down with no compromise, no story. They don't care. They yeah. just want it all gone. It's not going anywhere. It's only going to get it's only getting bigger. Policy and regulation definitely need to happen. And, and I agree. But you'll be surprised on listening to the opposing side. And granted, He's still a very difficult person, <laughs> person, but but we made progress. We yeah, made progress, right? And we found steps. ways to compromise. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's, hey, that's more than I can say. I have not sat down with the other side. I commend you. I think I'd be scared to. Um, but I think you just inspired me that that's maybe the next next city council meeting I go to. Maybe I should sit on that side instead of on the side with all the hosts and, you know, the cleaners and handymen and realtors who support it. Because, I mean, literally just turning next to someone and offering them a piece of gum. Like, just show you're human, you know? And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, showing you're human. 
That's weird a battle. Concept. <laughs> yeah. It's so, a weird concept. <laughs> I want to ask you too. So for anybody who's just started their first short-term rental or something, or they're just thinking about it and they're new to this, where do they even find regulation? How do you stay on top of it? Are you constantly like checking this website's, you know, vacation rental ordinance page for any new line item that's been added or something? How do people even read these, turn for information and, and understand it. It's all written in legal jargon. How do you, <laughs> how do you dumb it down and make sense of it so you can get involved? Oh man, I swear. I still don't understand <laughs> stuff. I, I'd be the first to admit it. So first and foremost, and this is going to sound so basic, but it's the number one thing that hosts do not do, or they opt out. Most Airbnb hosts and Expedia hosts, those, those are the two leaders in the space, right? When you sign up, you have an option to click on a little button that says, I want newsletter on regulation and policy within my community. Most hosts don't turn that on and they just don't get the emails or the information. I can't stress enough. You really need to get involved and make sure that you are a part of the Airbnb Expedia emails because they do a great job in trying to get you involved and give you the latest information. So that's like basic step number one. Every single person here should easily be able to do. Okay. I am so embarrassed. I don't think I have that turned on. I don't think I've ever <laughs> gotten an email from Airbnb about regulation. I always find it from my city website and Facebook group. That should be something that you're opted in automatically and you have to opt out of. I need to go turn that on. Yeah. I did yeah. not know that was a and thing. A lot, a lot of people, you know, everyone gets a lot of emails and this is a problem that I've been talking with the Expedia group and VRBO, uh, Airbnb group quite a bit. How do we get people to think we're not going to spam them all the time? Mm -hmm. How do we get them more involved? How do we educate uh, that it does make a difference that one person shows up, the next person shows up. So yeah, the first thing, opt in. <laughs> Make sure you are opt in. The second thing is Facebook is really active with policy and short-term rentals on the community. So definitely go and try to find some local groups. Um, do your research because there is some local groups that might not have the same values as you do or mm -hmm. the same values that I do. So make sure you really do the research before you dive in and, and make sure it's something that you stand for. Um, that's really important. And then, like I said, get get involved with like rent responsibly. Uh, a lot of times they can guide you on which groups are are making a difference and, and making some noise. So definitely get involved in that. And then when it comes to understanding, it, it that is tricky. It The language is really, really difficult and it's not made for a normal person to read and understand. Right. Like they do it to make it tricky enough where you're like, Wait, do I vote yes on this? I or think not? they purposely yes. try to intimidate For us sure. with the language. Yeah. <laughs> but what's what's great is once you get involved, there's so much resource. So, like our group, just to give you an example, I know not everyone here from Arizona, but our group, right? One of the biggest confusions we were having is the registration and the TPT. So we held a webinar with everyone who was a member. Obviously, it's free, and we got Expedia on there, and we had um, Airbnb on there, and then we had some people from the city on there, and they explained exactly what you need to do in layman's terms, what a TPT is, how to register, how to be a legal property, how to display this in your listing, mm -hmm. and it, it was overwhelming by people going, I had no idea. I had no idea. Like, what? I didn't know I had to do this, so the education is one of those things that 
our group and Brand Responsibly is really trying to do is educate the city council and the hosts on how to improve this massive disconnect. Because mm-hmm. what you can't blame people for not knowing what they don't know. Yeah. Like, so, but you do have to do a little bit of research. You definitely got to pay attention and read because stuff changes. Like I just got an email yesterday about some hearing that's going on on Tuesday. It's like, whoa, okay, it's Saturday and we're finding out about this. So you, you definitely got to pay attention. You got to stay alert. I think they do that on purpose too, because (laughs) I feel like the city council should give us a month's notice to show up to meetings, Uh, but there's been so many where it's literally Saturday. I find out that there's a meeting on Monday and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm driving to Big Bear on Monday. (laughs) They try to do some sneaky stuff for sure. Um, So yeah, you have to stay on top of it. Um, I I think you're right. Facebook groups for me are what I have found to be the best resource, but I have not been on Rent Responsibly and I'm going to go sign up literally as soon as we hang up this call. I think the last thing I kind of want to ask you and wrap up on is sort of about the regulation itself. What are the policies that you support and that you think are good and a fair compromise? Mm. And what are suggestions that you immediately are like, this is bad, this is detrimental, like, you know, give us the good and bad on on each side. Oh my gosh, how much time do we have? I know, I know. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's a huge question. But if there's anything that comes to mind. I will summarize. Yeah, yeah. So in general, let me be very clear. For the longest time, short-term rental host companies and whatnot wanted zero regulations, right? And and I understood that. So my house, my right kind of thing, right? I fully get that and I fully support that over-regulation is a nuisance at that point. It's, it's sad to me that a few bad apples are making it difficult that we have to have regulations and policies. So mm-hmm. let me just be super clear about that. I'm not... I'm I'm a person that's like, I want to do good business because I'm a good person and I want to keep passing that on to the next person, right? With that said, the more this business grows, the more money that comes involved, there definitely needs to be regulations and policies in place, no doubt. And I think it, a couple of the ones that stand out to me is they sound really simple, but we are in super support of making sure that all rental properties are registered, meaning they... If there is an issue at that property, they can get a hold of the homeowner or the host. Sounds really simple, but registering it with a simple, you know, permit number, filing it to the city, and there's a master list on all the properties and how to get a hold of that person. I think that's a fair policy that should be in place. As a host, you should want that because if there is literally a party going down at your listing and there's no way to contact you and tell you, that hurts you as well. So I 100% agree. We should both want that. Totally. That's like the easiest one. And then, you know, another one that's been having some difficulties in, in question is the whole tax issue, right? So everybody wants their piece of the cut. So I do think there needs to be a solid regulation and a clear understanding of what the tax is and how the tax gets paid is the platforms collecting all the taxes and paying okay that if that's the case then great then we need to make sure that's part of the policy if you're doing direct bookings you know do i collect the tax and then how do i turn around and pay the city what is that fee can it change so that's a weird gray area and everybody wants their piece of the pie so those are like the two like major ones and then obviously the biggest nuisance comes down to trash yeah. and noise. Parking, That's yeah. Parking, right? So 
a, a, a system like noise aware, I think, and I could get some pushback here, I'm sure, but you know, making it mandatory that all hosts add a noise aware. I personally think it's not a bad idea. I do it to all of my properties because I want to know if there's noise in my property, but that's where the fine line and the pushback comes where it's my house, my business. Um, how could you force me to, to do these certain things? But mm -hmm. I personally think a noise monitor, all good hosts should have one of those. If you're in high traffic areas, that should just be something the city maybe pushes more. So, and then the trash thing, it's obviously a difficult thing, but there's more and more companies that are starting in certain areas that will, you know, for a small fee, will take your trash out every day or every week for the city to take, and then they'll put it back into your garage and put it away. I think it's a very easy thing to do, um, and us hosts and neighbors should should abide by that. That's mm -hmm. a good policy. Now, I'll go down a few of the the rabbit hole ones of the ones that are that are really, really painful and should not be uh, a part, right? Ones that, you know, they're trying to make laws that you have to live in the property to be able to rent it. Mm -hmm. Well, that defeats the entire purpose of a short-term rental and privacy. I don't want to be in my own house and rent it with strangers. That just seems very odd. So it's just a way to make it almost impossible. Yeah. I think that's really weird. I think putting limit limitations where... You know, you can only rent for X amount of time of the year. It's yeah. just, that doesn't make sense. I don't understand the reason behind that at all. So that doesn't make sense to, to me at all, right? Mm -hmm. I think running a full security background check on every single guest is is overkill because most of the platforms are already doing that. They're They're running security checks anyways to run a full background check is very, very expensive very time consuming. Hotels don't even do that. I mean, it's, <laughs> they, yeah. They don't, yeah. So yeah. And as a good host, right. We have front door cameras. We have, you know, contracts that are signed. Uh, long-term guests don't have to do these crazy hurdles to do a long-term lease. So the playing field just doesn't make sense. So those are some of the ones that like really stand out to me. Um, and then of course the zoning, that's a big one. They're trying to zone where we are listed as commercial uh, instead of residential. Obviously, if you're a commercial, that's a whole different tax bracket, all different kinds of licensing. It just wouldn't be feasible for, for someone like me that's a small business. It would it, be impossible to you know, have monthly checks and maintenance and all this other stuff. Um, so yeah, those are some of like the big ones that, that stand out that they're always trying to push. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm in agreement with you on all of that. It's, it's not much just to set a basic, you know, very yeah. like, I don't know what I'm trying to say, a basic floor of like what it takes to just be a responsible host. It's really like we said, the 1% just have a wild west mentality, like a free for all. They don't care who comes, how much they trash it, as long as they get paid, um, they don't care who it bothers. And I think most hosts are in support of everything you just listed. Like, yeah, a noise monitor. What's what's wrong with yeah. that? Don't you want to be alerted about your own property having issues as well? So, so yeah, I think that's totally a fair compromise. But I guess that's the that's the big question, right? Getting the other side to see that that's enough as well, and that is the compromise. Um, well, I think to, to elaborate a little bit on that, I think the biggest 
issue we have in this space is still really new. There's there's not years of this going on, right? Mm -hmm. It's still very new. The technology is new. Software is getting new and that kind of stuff. So education is the number one thing. And that's kind of why like someone like you or is like constantly educating people on best practices. Uh, I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've met down with city council members that didn't even read the bill and were voting against it. They just didn't have enough time or they didn't understand it. So they just listened to their peers. So don't be afraid to help educate that system. Educate your host. Hey, these are best practices. This is what you should be doing. Uh, Don't be afraid to go hit your city council and educate them. Hey, this is what we're doing, the best practices. This is the bill that we agree on and not agree on. You'd be shocked on how far that will get you because a lot of them just get busy yeah. or they just don't understand it. Yeah. I actually, I really want to bring this up too. And I don't know if you've had success with this, but emails to city council, I used to think that, oh, they never check their inbox. They're not going <laughs> to get back to it. I have had, there have been meetings that I have not been able to attend, or I know other people who couldn't go. And we, even if I am going to the meeting, I still send an email before. Yep. And I cannot say how many times the city council has opened up the meeting with opening remarks and literally said, based on the amount of emails we got talking about this policy, we most likely will not vote on it, but let's open up for public comments anyway. And already, if they're going into the meeting with that mentality, it's going to make your job so much easier. You're not fighting an uphill battle anymore. So the sooner you can get those emails in and just, like you said, educate them. I will literally send an email that says, you know, line item so-and-so mentions this. This is what the effect would be if this gets implemented. My cleaner would have 50% fewer jobs this year. She would have to move down the mountain. Just dumb it down like that. And that helps so much. So yeah, you still don't have to be the one speaking or attending if you really are nervous about that, but send an email. Yeah, that's an insanely good tip right there because the emails and a handwritten old school note, printed, whatever, a phone call goes such a long way because I'm telling you guys right now, it's mine. It's shocking how not enough good news is spread, Mm -hmm. right? So many of the negative people will call the city council every single day, every day and drive them nuts. If they got a good call from you guys saying, Hey, I just want to let you know that like I'm an amazing host. My neighbors rent my house sometimes and list out some positive things and and be a resource. You will make their day. I'm telling you, it goes a long way. Okay, you inspired me. I'm going to go do that too when we jump off because the only time my council hears from me is when I'm mad about something proposed yep. and I fight on it. But you know what? I actually, I'm going to go send an email today and just thank them because cool. I know they do work really hard and they have a very tough job trying to balance both sides. Yep. And yeah, the fact that we're still able to do what we want to do is amazing. And, you know, even if there's certain council members that I disagree with and others I support more overall, they, I can see that they're trying to balance both sides. So I'm going to go send a very nice email today for a change. <laughs> I um, love that. I yeah, love that. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, is there any parting stuff? you want to send us off with? I mean, this was so valuable. I think I'm going to link Rent Responsibly and your organization and how to follow you and connect with you so you can keep inspiring us. But is there any final parting things you want to leave us with? Yeah, this has been amazing. I, I It's funny. I would have never thought I would have been the guy that's talking about <laughs> policy and, and protecting policy. And But when you really are passionate about something you love doing, I like I absolutely love being a host. 
I don't want that to go away. And yeah. if I don't speak up, who's going to speak up? Or if I don't speak up, is are everybody else not going to be educated? So my number one thing is don't be afraid. Like I said, I still get nervous. I still freak out about speaking up about this kind of stuff. But every single voice matters. And I encourage everyone to get involved. I can't stress that enough, how important it really is. I have seen it time and time again with these stories. So please don't, I know it's not clickbait. It's not the most sexy topic to talk about policy, but it's the most important thing to talk about. So get involved, meet other hosts. It's such a great way to meet other people in your community and get involved. That's, that's like the number one thing I can stress is be a voice, be a good neighbor, be a good host. Just, you know. <laughs> For the love of God, people, be a good host. Please. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think you're right. It's it's not the sexiest topic. We want to talk about design and hospitality and pricing and optimizing. None of that is going to happen if you don't baseline have the legal permission to host your property. So that comes Thanks. first and foremost. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that, that you were here and we had the chance to do this. Cool. Thank you again so much. It was super fun. Thanks, John. Okay, you guys, buckle in for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole? I have a juicy segment I am bringing you, and it is related to last night's finale of The Bachelorette. If you are not a Bachelorette fan, please still listen, okay? Because I did not watch this season, so this is not going to be like a deep dive into the show. You do not need to have prior context of what happened to understand why I am including this in this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole. You will understand. I will dumb it down for you, okay? So listen through even if you're not a Bachelorette fan. Please note, though, that this segment will heavily include spoilers. So if you did not watch last night's finale yet and you are a Bachelorette fan, come back here later today after you've caught up on Hulu. Okay, my disclaimer's there. Spoilers ahead. Last chance. Spoilers ahead. Okay, so... The reason I am including The Bachelorette on this week's episode of No Vacancy, the podcast for the Am I the Airbnb whole segment is because in this season, okay, and again, I know that there are some non-Bachelor fans, so I'm going to just dumb this down in like the most basic terms. So in this season, there was two Bachelorettes. One of them, I don't care about for purposes of this. All right, Gabby, you're cute. Doesn't matter. We're going to talk about Rachel and her final pick, her final winner, Tino. So Rachel had Tino propose to her in the end, and I believe filming wrapped up like four months ago, and so they have been out in the real world, supposedly dating this entire time since the show wrapped. They left the show engaged. Now, if you are not a Bachelor or Bachelorette fan, you may not know, but when the couple leaves the show engaged, or even if they just leave the show dating, but they're together, the producers don't want spoilers, and so the Couples are not allowed to just fly to each other and visit each other after filming wraps while the show is airing because it would be too obvious to figure out where the cast members are going and who they're flying to, and it would be very easy to figure out who the winner was. So they set up these safe house visits, and typically these are at an Airbnb that you know is somewhere not in a hotel with a busy crowded lobby producers will book an airbnb for the couple to stay at for the weekend so that they can be there be kind of private it's at some random location not where either party lives so that it's all anonymous okay so 
since filming wrapped and Rachel and Tino were together, apparently what happened was, and I'm not totally clear on this, like the finale was very hard to follow. I, I'm not even going to get into my opinions of like who I think is in the right or wrong. Um, it, the finale was a shit show. Okay. But what else do you expect from the bachelorette? I'm not even going to get into that so much, but I need to talk about how people found out spoilers because of the fact that they stayed at an Airbnb. They had one of these safe house visits. I believe that filming wrapped in May. They had a safe house visit in May, one in June, one in July, and then nobody was able to find any evidence that there had been one in August because there are some bachelor super sleuthers out there on the Reddit forums who, even though the whole point of having the Airbnb and the safe house visit is to make it harder to find where the couples are going and figure out who won, there's still obviously people who get to the bottom of this. So these super sleuthers figured out that there had been a safe house visit in May, in June, and July none in August. So a lot of people were speculating that Rachel and Tino had broken up because why were they not together in August? Apparently a preview showing the finale and it showed Rachel and Tino having a fight in an Airbnb and then outside in front of this home. Somebody on Reddit, I swear this person needs to be hired by the FBI. Like, I don't know. They need to go freaking work in Quantico. This level of sleuthing is beyond comprehension. Okay. So somebody on a Reddit forum basically found the quick screen grabs of the living room that they were sitting in when they had this fight. And then when the fight carried outside to the front of the house, people grabbed the screen grabs of that and somebody pieced together which Airbnb they were staying at. I don't know how the person must have like stayed there to remember this, but somehow they put it together and figured out which property this was being filmed at. Then after finding that they found the reviews that production left for the Airbnb host and the review that the host left for the production crew that booked it. And basically from these reviews, the person who tracked all this and found the safe house visit that they stayed in in July was able to piece together that Tino and Rachel had broken up and they are not together today. And that's what we found out on the finale last night was that since filming aired, he supposedly cheated on her, but it seems like maybe she had already broken up with him or called off the engagement. I don't know. It's very messy and I cannot follow it. So anyway, through the reviews that were left for each other from production and from the host, people figured out that Rachel and Tino had been broken up. I'm going to read you the reviews. And apparently the listing, that Airbnb listing is now gone. And I do not know if it was taken down because production had a quote unquote bad experience and reported the listing and it got taken down. Or if the host just said, screw this, I don't want to deal with this. I'm not renting anymore. And they took their listing down. I really don't know, but apparently the listing is no longer up. But whoever this super sleuther on Reddit was, they managed to grab screenshots of the reviews before the listing was taken down. So I guess in summary what happened, and if you watched the finale, you saw this last night, but Rachel and Tino start having an argument inside the Airbnb. They were supposed to meet up for their July safe house visit. 
he walks in and basically she confronts him about the fact that he kissed another woman. And from there, they get into this argument and it starts inside the house. There's moments where he's going outside and he's venting to production. He comes back in, then he goes out again. She follows him out. It's all very, very dramatic. While they were there, at one point, they got so loud and were screaming at each other so much. Apparently, this is not corroborated. This is all alleged. But apparently, things were being thrown at one another or one party threw something at the other party. I don't know. Apparently, things were broken in the house. It got extremely rowdy and very disorderly. And neighbors called in noise complaints, which is crazy. So I'm going to read you the review that the host left for the production team. Blank booked our place twice, first for a regular stay and second for filming. They broke all the house rules and triggered complaints from neighbors. We did allow filming, but did not realize it was going to get so rowdy. They disrupted peace in the neighborhood and communication was bad. Then production replied to the review and said, Oh goodness, our sincerest apologies. We had no clue that we broke any rules as no one notified us of this during or after the stay. In fact, your message during the morning of checkout also said we were a fantastic guest and are welcome back anytime. We definitely made sure to keep the noise to a minimum, had a very small camera crew, and filming was wrapped before sundown. The intimidation attacks via private messages in response to my less than five-star review are not appreciated. I wish you the best of luck with future guests. I sincerely hope they get a better experience than what I had. Peace and love. Weird message for production to post, can I just say? And then this is the review that production had left for the host. Where do I even begin? I had the unique pleasure of booking this house twice. Please see my previous review. The second booking was for filming with the production company that I work with for a small shoot. We've filmed in other Airbnbs before, and most hosts are pretty good with accommodating us. That was not the case with this house. Let me start off by saying that if you are just looking to stay here for leisure reasons, the house itself is not the issue. During this particular booking, the host eventually stopped answering my messages, would regularly ignore my calls, and would only respond to me if it was about money. To call him a money-hungry con artist, <laughs> oh my gosh, to call him a money-hungry con artist might be a bit, but not a lot, TBH of a stretch, but he definitely gives off a similar vibe. If you are with a company looking to film at this house, I suggest against it. The host has a give me money first, then we'll negotiate type of approach to things. The communication or lack thereof from the host was something that I have personally never dealt with when dealing with an Airbnb, and I book a lot of them. Once we finally got past the paperwork and payment phase of our discussion, after he threatened to shut down our production hours before we were planned to film, the issues we were having with the house itself were fallen on deaf ears. At a certain point, I was reaching out directly to the property manager, security manager, and technician with all my questions since the host didn't seem to have the answers to most questions or most of the times even reply. Overall, I will not be booking this house or any properties managed by this host in the future for personal or professional reasons. I would exercise caution if you plan to book this house. Okay, I find that review. Look, I don't know what happened in the Airbnb and from the finale last night, they did not make it seem like 
Rachel and Tino were throwing things at each other. Like, they were in a heated discussion, but even when they went outside, it did not seem loud enough to garner noise complaints from neighbors. I don't know. Maybe they edited a lot of things out. I really have no idea if production or the host is in the wrong here. But what I can say is that that review that production left is freaking weird. What is this whole thing about, like, the host has a money-hungry attitude? This was booked by ABC. Are you, like, why is the production crew who left this review making it seem like, oh my gosh, we we were out so much money and, and the guy wanted extra money from us. Are you kidding me? This is The Bachelor. This is The Freaking Bachelor. This is ABC. ABC owned by Disney. And you guys are worried about not being able to afford to pay for some damages at the Airbnb and that's why you left a bad review? Like, I this seems like the most unprofessional review to leave from the produ- from a production company owned by Disney. Disney is their parent company. What? I I don't even know how I weigh in on Rachel and Tino. Literally, it was such a shit show. I don't know. I just think, you guys, I just, I had to include this segment because it's mind-blowing to me that this whole season got spoiled by somebody putting together the screen grabs from a preview of the finale, figured out which property... Rachel was staying at, matched it up to an Airbnb, and then went and saw the reviews, saw that that was the last property that the production crew booked and that they haven't booked anything since July, showing that there was no safe house visit in August, like seeing the, the war and the fact that a fight broke out and that things got rowdy in the Airbnb. This just blows my mind that some somebody out there who probably stayed at the Airbnb and was able to recognize it cracked the code on this entire season and freaking spoiled it. Amazing. Amazing. Um, I think probably Rachel, Tino, production, and the host are all Airbnb holds. This just seems like an absolute, I, I don't know, hot, stinking mess that I'm so glad I was not involved in. However, if Bachelor Production ever wanted to film at one of my places, I would obviously let them. I would obviously let them. And I will not spoil it. So if any Bachelor producers are listening there, um, I promise you can film at my place. I will not spoil anything. I promise. You have my word. I swear. Pinky promise. I swear. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.